You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Monday, September the 25th, start of a brand new week and set fair here in TW11, as it is in the Bois de Boulogne in Paris, ahead of the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, which takes place on Sunday, Europe's premier all-age race. Which horse will make the most serious impact? Will it be the star French three-year-old Ace Impact? We speak to his owner later in the programme, and she has just witnessed a sparkling piece of work from the horse that is on everybody's lips ahead of his biggest assignment this week. And will he indeed race on as a four-year-old? The possibility is raised in that interview. What's been happening over the weekend? Well, the most significant racing arguably took place in Ireland. Paddy Toomey was the man to the fore, the trainer of Beresford Stakes winner Deep One, looks a really promising colt. And one look on her debut netted €610,000 for first prize in the Goffs Million. The man who was behind this, the mastermind behind this, Kevin Connolly, speaks to me from his home in Vietnam later in the programme. It was a weekend of the wacky races in Ireland, not just the controversial charity race, more of which later, but also the victory of Magellan, Magellan, as you like, 150 to one shot in the Irish Cesarowitz, trained by a a little known guy called Joseph O'Brien. Who's heard of him? His father, Aidan, ran Tower of London in the race, didn't run terribly well, was ridden by Ryan Moore, who jetted back from Australia just the 10,000 miles where he'd been on Shinzo in the Golden Rose Stakes that you were hearing about on the pod on Friday. The race, in fact, went the way of Shinzo's stable companion, Militarised, ridden for Chris Waller by Joe Moreira, and a silky ride it was as well. Pennsylvanian racing got its day in the spotlight in North America, where Saudi Crown won the Pennsylvania Derby at Parks to edge his way into the Breeders' Cup Classic Reckoning for Brad Cox. Whilst at home, 52-year-old Joe Fanning took the Air Gold Cup on significantly, and Andrew Balding was delighted to win the Mill Reef Stakes, named for the most famous horse's family have ever handled, with the Judmont-owned Array beating Eve Johnson Horton's promising Mr. Sketch into second place. Now, which rider has won more editions of the Mill Reef Stakes than any other in the last decade? Well, three of them have gone the way of Adam Kirby, who won the 2021 Derby on ADAR. He hasn't ridden in September. He'd only had the one ride in August. I wondered whether he had slipped gently into the sidings, given his well-documented issues with there being no saunas on the racecourses, without fanfare. But far from it. This is what he told me when I spoke to him earlier today. No, 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 no. Far from it just at the moment. Um, we're just... Basically, I've just took a break because, like I said, the, with the with the with the no sauna things and the, and the weight allowance, um, sort of losing that, it was all um, sort of it made everything much harder. And I was just sort of I was in a little bit of a battle with um, with trying to keep the weight down. And basically, I just decided then we'll just we'll just have a bit of time out, and um, you know, hopefully, I'm going to have a little bit more time, and hopefully, we'll regroup and. Um, to get the show back on the road in the near future, hopefully. Okay, so so just remind me, how long have you been riding racehorses uninterrupted for until until this year? Uh, I think I think it's eighteen, eighteen, maybe nineteen, two thousand and four. Yeah. So so yeah, I was, I was intrigued to know. So how when you basically said right, I'm going to stop, just take a bit of a break. How, has your body reacted quite positively to it? Um, well. Sort of obviously, I put on um, quite a lot of weight quickly because obviously, um, 
you know, you sort of um, stick yourself to the sword, so to speak, because obviously I'm quite tall. Um, and yes, I have put on quite quite a bit of weight, but not as much as I thought I would. Um, so it's still, it's still, um, it still can happen, put it that way. Mm. So it's actually, you're just waiting to really see how you kind of react to it and how when you have a bit of a reset, you might be able to do things a bit differently. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And uh, hopefully, hopefully now the body's a lot more healthier um, and and um, sort of eating properly and doing things properly. Hopefully, hopefully when I start training again properly, the weight will come off. And people will say, oh God, you've achieved so much. You've won group ones, you've won the derby, you've had a ton of winners, you've had a good career, you've got so much going on with the farm and the young horses. Do you really need to come back? What's what what's is there something niggling at the back of your mind saying well i i haven't quite put it to bed yet well i mean there's one thing that does annoy me i'd like to get the 2000 winners um you know i'm not too far away from that i'd like to do that um more for my kids than anything um just so they can say daddy wasn't a bum (laughs) (laughs) but um no hopefully hopefully we'll come back and we'll We'll get it to get to get uh, get up to the two thousand, and um, and that'll be that'll be a, a good enough achievement for me. But um, I mean, also it's um, it's a very very hard thing when you've done it for that many years um, to to let go of. Um, and I just don't think I'm ready to let go of it at the moment. Well, well the one thing no one's ever going to accuse you of is being being lazy. Uh, you're about the busy the busiest person I know. You, you, the 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 farm is is growing all the time, isn't it? In terms of in terms of horses you take and break and pre-train and all that all that. Yeah, no, things things are going um things are going really well. Um all the babies are already starting to come in, so um hopefully long may that continue. Um you know, I've got some got some good staff, some good hands around me. Which which makes which makes this job much more simpler, um, but you know it's something it's something that me and Megan enjoy very much, and hopefully long may that continue. Okay, so all things being equal, you take the winter off, carry on doing this, and then when do you think you can kind of set yourself a a date to have a think about coming back? Well, I'm sort of thinking we'll um, we'll sort of get get most of the winter out of the way and and. Um, We'll get the Christmas dinner out of the way, and after that, we'll try and uh, we'll try and regroup and um, and get ready to go again. Okay. Well, um, look forward to seeing you back. I hope it works out well, whichever way you decide to play it. But um, appreciate you updating us, Adam. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. See you later. Well, listening to that was newsboy of the Daily Mirror, David Yates. David, I was heartened in some respects to hear Adam saying that he wasn't done yet. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, I, I was heartened too. I mean, I think that if you did a straw poll of people who follow British racing and you said, name me one jockey who is going to be adversely affected without reading anything in the racing media or listening to anything in the racing media. Um, if you said, name me one jockey that you think is going to be adversely affected uh, by the withdrawal of saunas. And I know that Adam Kirby has spoken about this for a number of years, then it would have been Adam Kirby, wouldn't it? I think we all know that over the last few years, he's acknowledged this himself, as has Clive Cox, his former boss, um, that there was very little room for manoeuvre weight-wise for Adam. His his lowest uh, riding weight in the last year is nine stone three. And as he acknowledges himself, 
the uh, the numbers have dried up. Um, one uh, ride in August, his stats for twenty three are five wins from seventy three. Sorry, seventy one runs. Um, just looking back further down, it's twenty fourteen. This is hard to easy to forget this, but he he rode one hundred and ninety two winners from twelve hundred rides. Of course, in twenty twenty one, he had the uh, the the apogee of his career when riding Adiar to victory in the derby at Epsom. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we all wish Adam well. You know, it, it's it's been plain to see over the years that uh, this is a, a jockey who's um, taking denial, I think, to pretty extreme lengths in order to prolong his career. Um, I think with regard to the 2,000 winners, by I, I keep coming up with different figures, but I think that ballpark, he's got around 70, 75 in order to do that. And I hope that he does. Um, obviously, the, the pre-training business uh, with his wife, Megan, is, is, is burgeoning and going very well. Uh, and so, I'm I'm surprised in a way that he's still uh, determinedly clinging on to the riding career because that looks quite a, um, a, a a successful business which doesn't involve the uh, the denial that uh, every day in the weighing room does. But yeah, I hope he comes back. Um, one thing that is for certain is that uh, when. He does talk to his children in future years. They will definitely not say uh, daddy was a bum. All right. Of course, the main race this weekend is the Katapri Luck de Triomphe, one of the great races in the world and Europe's premier all-aged horse race. And the favourite for this race for a long time has been the Jean-Claude Rouget trained Ace Impact. Rouget, who took the arc after a long wait with Sotsas a couple of years ago, now has a horse that everybody appears to believe has star quality and he's exhibited it in the British Jockey Club and beyond. He is now uh, co-owned by Arad Lagusseri. The Shaboob family have a controlling interest in the horse. That's where he'll retire to stud. I've been speaking to his owner, Pauline Shaboob, this morning, who had just watched Ace Impact work, and this is how he got on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His piece of work this morning was very good. Um, we are very happy with him, actually, and his development is perfect. Um, you know, he seems pretty strong, Montali, and I think now he's ready to better. Uh, and it was a really interesting decision um, to give him that little bit of a break and then come back and, and not run him between uh, the the beginning of uh, of, the, uh, of of the summer and, and now. Do you think that's helped him? Yeah, that that wasn't um, an easy decision, you know, because we we, we love to challenge we we would love to run in the irish but we choose to get him some fresh freshness and finally maybe that was the good decision because um you know uh, the irish weekend and the arterial weekend was pretty hot and that never easy to run big race under 35 degrees and it seems that from from what I've been gathering that he he's a horse who's who sort of needed to grow up mentally a bit during the during the season that he's needed to to focus and and apply himself almost that he he was too good for his own good if that makes any sense is his work now a bit more focused yeah yeah you know he's is um, young uh, he, he he didn't have a big experience but he has a big and huge talents so I think he he, he looks 
pretty good mentally, actually stronger than uh, the the start of the season. And now I think you, you know he's a true warrior. Uh, when he's on the track, is very different than the paradigm. Yeah, was a special run uh, last time because it was just a group two and for us like him wasn't a, a target. But uh, that the plan since the the derby, you know, um, he, he did he did pretty good. He wasn't at his top and he won again. So yeah, he, you know, he, he has earned all of our trust now. Mm-hmm. So he'll he'll be a an excellent addition to the to the stud, but you you don't see him running again beyond beyond this weekend. Yeah, we will see. We will see the the performance. You know that that uh, easy to 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 speak about his future. We we, we know he will start as a stud at Beaumont, uh, but we don't know yet when. You okay. know. So it's not impossible that he races as a four year old. That's not impossible, but uh, yeah, we will see the, the end of the season. Okay. Um, uh, Pauline, tell me a little bit about the, the way that the Beaumont is going at the moment. Sealy Way has been an incredible um, hit at start, I think covering more mares than any other stallion in France this year. Has that, has that exceeded your expectations? Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, Sealy Way has a special plus in our world. So, yeah, we are, we, we are pretty happy for his first season as a stud, uh, Mathieu and Emily did a big work for him and French breeder uh, welcomed him like he deserved. So we are very happy and he will have uh, a big book uh, on his second season too. Uh, you know, uh, breeder love him. He works, he has a great mind. He, he, he was a champion, a two-year-old champion with a lot of precocity. So that's important for the French market and European market, so yeah, pretty happy, and we 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 live a, a, a good period at this stage actually. And you and your your family are so committed to the the sport. It seems to be, and I've discussed this with a lot of people in France this year. There seems to be a feeling of optimism that French racing and breeding is on the up again. Do you do you share that? Yeah, I share that. I think we are. Um, very lucky to 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 can live um, uh, a lot of joy in racing and breeding, you know. Because to to, to have a runner in the arc a dream, but now to have a favorite, a old favorite, uh, the best uh, French uh, horse. Uh, actually, yeah, we we, we live a dream, <laughs> but we do everything for for it. So, yeah, we. I think we didn't realize. You know. Well, it's it's lovely to talk to you always. Um, thanks so much for your time this morning and very best of luck this weekend. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pauline Shaboub there, uh, Shaboub family, becoming an increasingly powerful in, in French and, and European racing. French horses have done very well in France this year, David Yates. This weekend's going to be a very interesting test, isn't it, as to whether their dominance at home can be translated to a to a dominance against horses of a of a slightly more intense caliber. Yeah, and this is the weekend that really matters, isn't it? it it's it's all very well uh, hoovering up the other group ones. Just for for those who haven't been concentrating week after week, uh, the uh, French group ones have been flooded with runners from 
Great Britain and Ireland. And week after week, with a, a couple of exceptions, they have stayed at home. Um, but it's no use winning all those if if the the foreign raiders then descend on Longchamp in the first weekend in, Oct- in October or the the last Saturday in October and uh, take all the prizes away. And Ace Impact is certainly leading the charge. I, I'm I'm surprised in a way, Nick, that this horse isn't a little bit shorter at the head of the market. I think bookmakers are well aware of Jean Claude uh, Rouget's record in France, as you say. Uh, he's an art winner with Sotsas. His record with the three year olds, Sotsas was a, a four year old when winning um, a couple of years ago, um, three years ago in 2020. Um, his record with the three year olds isn't isn't all it could be. I think 13 of of running the arc uh, this century and. And they've all been beaten, although a couple have gone close. And I, I still think Ace Impact, were he trained in Britain, I think he'd be quite a bit shorter. If you look at um, the horses behind him immediately in the arc betting, we've got the likes of Hookham and Westover, older horses trained in Britain, Group 1 winners in their own right, and um, they will be... they. They they won't go down without a fight. We know that. But do they have that upwardly mobile uh, profile of the unbeaten ace impact? I don't think they do. So, yeah, I, I think this horse has got a cracking chance. And I think that he's what? He's a three to one shot in the list, a little bit bigger. You can get um, 130. I don't think there would be any of that flying around were he trained by Aidan O'Brien or John Gosden. And talking of Aidan O'Brien, it looks as though he will rely on the St. Ledger winner Continuous, who is bidding to make history by becoming the first horse to win both races in the same season. I'm rather surprised, given that the ground is going to dry out quite considerably, that August Rodin's not even being considered for the race. Yeah, indeed. it's it's It does seem as though um, the trainer's very much sticking to the the plan, uh, the plan, the, to plan A, isn't he? Um, he said about Auguste Rodin that after the Irish champion that he'd be unlikely to go to Longchamp because of the likelihood of uh, soft ground. Well, it looks like a drying week in Paris. I know it's always uh, difficult to predict uh, what's going to go on there. Um, yeah, the, the after the St. Ledger, he said that continuous quite obviously would have a, a few quiet days. I spoke to him yesterday. He said uh, he would do a couple of routine canters this week. They have to decide uh, before Wednesday uh, whether to supplement continuous. I think is it 120,000 uh, euro that they have to pay. Um, but it looks at this stage as though that is what's going to happen. Um you know, warm heart on quicker ground perhaps could have come into uh, consideration for the arc as well. Save the last dance we know uh, has a preference for soft ground and isn't going to run again this season anyway. But yeah, it's 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 always a um it's always a bit of a quandary when uh, Ballydor run one horse in uh, races like this. That the the the, uh, the time honoured way of looking at it is well, if they only run one, then that one will be good enough. But uh, statistically, I think that Continuous is up against it, and certainly he's got he's got much stronger opposition uh, to face. I think in Europe's middle distance championship on Sunday than he faced at Doncaster. What was it nine days ago? Well, we have learnt in recent seasons not to discount German representatives in whatever race they happen to be running in. We saw Torquato or Tasso win the arc two years ago, finish an excellent third in the race last year. Daydream was brilliant when she beat six Group One winners in order in 2011 on on fast ground, and the rising force amongst the German trainers, Henk Gruber 
is running two horses in the race, Mr. Hollywood and the old campaigner Sisfahan. I put in a call to his stables today in Germany. He began by talking about Sisfahan's chance in the race. Uh, for him, it will be a very hard, uh, tough race. Um, but uh, for, I think the ground will be good at Sunday, if you like. The race will be very fast. Uh, it will be good for him. But we, we know that it will be, it will be very, very hard for him. When it, he's placed under the first fifth, we are very, very happy. But you feel that it's worth it's worth having a go with him? What's the thinking behind taking him? Uh, it's a dream of the owners and uh, the travel uh, runner in the arc. And uh, Sunday, he, he should run yesterday here in the Prize for Europa. And the ground was soft and the owners don't want to, don't, don't want to run in on soft ground. So in your opinion, the ground will be pretty decent? Quite good on on the weekend. I think I think it will be uh, good, good, probably good to firm. Hank, should we have a bit more respect for for Mister Hollywood, who has been running against the best three year olds really in in Germany, and also beaten by Zagre last time in the in the Grosse Preis von Baden, which has been a great trial for the Arc. <laughs> okay, yes, uh, he won very very good last time in Baden Baden. He was uh, beaten a bit unlucky. Um, he was beaten a bit unlucky, uh, but I think he improved uh, since the last race. And uh, yes, uh, we are we hope for a good one for him. For him. Yeah, um, he seems to be improving as the season's progressing. Uh, he's a good, strong stayer as well. Uh, it doesn't put you that far behind the principles if you can reverse the form with Zagre. Yes, for sure. And, and, and especially this, this day was uh, not not perfect for him. He loves uh, the soft to heavy ground, and for him, I, I hope for some rain in uh, Paris. Okay, so they they want they want different conditions. These two horses. What do you yes. what, what what would you like to do with the with them as the autumn progresses? Have they got big international targets? I think no, because uh, especially for Mister um, Hollywood, in soft ground and uh, in the. Saudi and Dubai, we don't have the soft ground. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, this one can make the campaign in Dubai for the carnival. All right, that was Hank Grover. I spoke to him this morning. David Yates, Newsboy Daily Mirror. You spoke to Sir Michael Stout over the weekend. I did. I spoke to Sir Michael yesterday about Bay Bridge. And obviously the horse won the, the champion stakes at Ascot last October. But he proved his stamina over a mile and a half. He was racing at the trip for the very first time when he won the September stakes at Kempton Park earlier this month. That opened a, a possible door uh, for a pre-de uh, like the Triumph Challenge. And yes, it was confirmed over the weekend that ground permitting that Baybridge will roll the dice at Longchamp. Um, Sir Michael did say yesterday that don't get too carried away. We will keep an eye on the weather. But if there's ease in the ground at Longchamp on on Sunday, then the intention is to go. So that opens another quite interesting door. Um, Baybridge was beaten on his first three starts this season, all of them at Group 1 level and all of them over a mile and a quarter. Um, but he should have his conditions uh, hopefully, there should be a bit of ease in the ground. Again, it's difficult to second guess uh, what the elements are going to do. But yeah, he certainly, uh, as I say, with 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 that slight caveat about uh, the racing surface, his hat has been thrown into the arc ring as well. There hasn't been nothing, I would suggest, more audacious 
than what happened on on Saturday afternoon. The Goffs million worth six hundred and ten thousand euros to the winner. Yeah, that's six hundred and ten thousand euros to the winner was won by a debutante, and she won it by six lengths, beating a Grade Two placed horse, Group Two placed horse, into second. Um, and by the way, the runner-up was trained by Aidan O'Brien. Um, Paddy Toomey take a bow for the Connolly Racing Partnership. Kevin Connolly, who has had many, many um, roles in the sport as a as a trainer and as an owner and as a racecourse executive and as a consultant to racing all around the world, including in the Far East, joins me now. Um, I'm not sure where you are in the world this minute, Kevin. You're normally based in Vietnam, aren't you? I'm in Vietnam at the moment, Nick, yes, in Da Nang. So for those people who know you and, and remember you, tell us what's taken you via China to Vietnam. <coughs> Well, we, we built a racetrack in China and uh, we did race there for a number of years, um, four or five years. And unfortunately, when we tried to pre gambling, we were closed down rather quickly. Um, tried for several years to redo it in Beijing, never worked. And then um, um, my uh, former employer, uh, Chen Yongpong, Wai Pei Cheng, uh, decided he'd try it in Vietnam. So we came and trying to do the same thing here was red tape and a lot of um a lot of difficulties we just we just gave up and um so now uh, i just basically do a little bit of consulting for some people in australia and uh, in europe and um you know just enjoying life and and you find vietnam a good place to be based to kind of cover all the bases still well, it's, it, it, it's very easy for me because um, uh, Australia is only two hours behind in t- or ahead in time, and uh, I can still so the UK is only six hours different. So it's it's actually not a bad base. Um, we we love the climate here as well, and um, it, it's it's a nice place to live. Well, it's even nicer when you can watch your horse um, bagging the Goffs Million first time out. Uh, it, what Paddy Tooby achieved for you on Saturday? I mean, you you're someone who's trained horses. You. You understand the the vagaries of this game. Just give me an idea how you felt about the whole project and, and about seeing it come off. Well, it, it, you know, Paddy's always said that she was a really very nice filly. We, we bought three horses last year, or two of them with Paddy. Uh, one of them was with Ozzy Stack. He finished third on Sunday in second start, and uh, he'd be retired for the season now as well. Um, the two with Paddy, the first horse juxtaposition by Churchill, he won at Leperstown. I always talked, we Paddy talked, and as you said, I trained before, so I know trainer talk. Um, I knew he thought an awful lot of his filly. And, um, and he, the fact that he, he left her in the millions and, and he rang me on, on, sorry, on Tuesday morning, I saw she was entered in five races over the weekend, basically anywhere she could be entered. And then he rang me, just said he wants to run in the millions. And obviously we, we were delighted. And, um, um, you know, we knew how... His two year olds are running, you know, he's deep on when the birds first day. That King Coon has won a couple of really good races. Um, so obviously, he knew what he had, but uh, I think he was even blown away with, with uh, her on the day. Uh, I'm not suggesting it doesn't matter what she does next, because obviously, you'd like to sort of burnish her reputation for the, for the stud book, but uh, in, your, in your heart of hearts, do you think she's a one hit wonder or do you think she's a Guinea's filly? Not a one hit wonder. No, she she has been. She had a slight setback in in uh, in June. She was almost ready to run, and she just gave herself a tiny little knock. And Paddy said, "I'm going to wait for her three weeks off, and then we'll take her back slowly." And um, she came to hand pretty quickly. And and it looks as though it might be Guinea's first time out next season, from the way the trainer's talking. 
uh, we almost 100% she won't race again this season. Um, and I'm quite happy with that. You know, she's still quite, quite you know, she's still a bit of polishing to do. Um, but obviously she, she, she's got a, a bit of talent. And what I didn't realise, Kevin, I didn't put the two and two together uh, yesterday, which was, there was a, a link to the Air Gold Cup. Because was it not you that gave Joe Fanning his first ever, ever career victory? Yes, it was actually, yes. Yeah, Joe, Joe serves a friendship with me in Ireland. And, and how, how much pleasure do you get still seeing him riding big race winners at the age of 52? Oh, well, Joe, Joe wasn't with us for a long, long time and he made his name in England, you know, so I can't, I can't take much credit for, for um, Joe's success. He's done it all himself, but he's just been fantastic. He's 52 years old. He just doesn't stop. Fantastic clock in his head. And it, it's always magical to see him win. Kevin Connolly there, and when we're talking about what's happened this last weekend, uh, Paddy Toomey is the man you need to look at. Deep one was very impressive in the Beresford Stakes and looks a, a proper horse for next year. And this one look is the ultimate quandary. Is this a sales race freak brilliantly executed, David Yates? Or is this a genuine classic contender for next year? Because if if she is exactly what it said on the tin on on Saturday then I'd suggest 14 to 1 is a very big price for the 1,000 guineas. Evidently, someone somewhere knew that this was a horse of ability. She was making her debut against 22 others in a race carrying more than half a million quid uh, for its first prize. Um, the the favourite, Cherry Blossom, who finished second, uh, who had, she had finished second in the Lowther Stakes prior to that, so brought a good level of two-year-old Philly's group form uh, to the table. And if you haven't seen this race already, then take a couple of minutes to find it and watch it because she travels she travels so strongly under Billy Lee. And when she, she he, he, he rides her with the utmost confidence, uh, sits out of his ground, she makes it up in a, in a half a dozen strides before lengthening away. The official margin of victory is six lengths. And let's be honest about it. I mean, if, if again, we, we, I've talked about if this horse were trained by so-and-so. Again, if this horse had, had made um, her debut for Aidan O'Brien in such circumstances, she would no way be a double-figure price for next year's 1,000 guineas. As I say, you, you know, you, you, you take the... I don't think one should take uh, form in uh, these sales races at, at face value. I don't know what she's like physically but on the TV, she didn't look that big. But everything else points uh, to her being a, a, certainly a, a, a group horse in the making. Um, Paddy Toomey told you yesterday, Nick, that she wouldn't run again this season. So that's in one way, that's a bit of a shame. It'd be nice to know a bit more about her too. Uh, but for those connected to her, at least it certainly continues the dream, hopefully through the winter. Elsewhere over the weekend at the Curra, it was the Wacky Races... Yesterday, David Yates, which was more bizarre, the 150-1 to 1 winner of the Irish Cesarowicz, Magellan, Magellan, whichever you prefer, or the winner of the charity race in rather dramatic circumstances, Martina Dempsey? Um, take your pick, really. Yeah, probably the winner of the Irish Cesarowicz. Not only the fact that it was won by, uh, the race was won by, a 100 to 50, 150 to 1 shot, but the fact that that winner was trained by Joseph O'Brien. Um, I was sifting through uh, agency uh, copy yesterday just to see what we could put around the um, the main stories in the papers for today, and 
when I saw the headline, 150 to one shot wins the Irish Cesarevich, I thought, well, this is trained by uh, someone you've never heard of. I was very surprised uh, to see that Joseph O'Brien had saddled the winner. Hugh Horgan, rising star, we should give him a mention, £7 claimer, who did the steering. All right, for the second week in a row, bizarrely, we're talking about charity races and some sort of controversy that befell them. Yesterday was the Corinthian Challenge at the Curragh. Fair Damsel was the winner, beat Noble Anthem, Noble Anthem's rider, Damien Moore. He stopped riding, and that allowed Fair Damsel up the rail to win. He looked around several times, evidently didn't see Fair Damsel coming, and then he started riding again when it was all too late. Uh, Noble Anthem, for the record, was 13-8 to favourite. Fair Damsel, also for the record, was well backed, 25-1 to into 17-2. Q and Avalanche of abuse for Damien Moore on social media, uh, to the point where one organisation had to switch off its replies on X, and also a, a raft of theories as to why this had happened, some of them a bit more fanciful than others. Is it about time that charity races were just charity races, David, and not as is the case here and as was the case last week, run under official rules with proper betting. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, as you say, this is a, a, a difficult watch. Damien Moore is clear. Uh, he's in the centre of the track on Noble Anthem. Fair Damsel is very much towards the far rail under um, Martina Dempsey and comes through, in the end, wins by two and a half lengths. The the, the jockey on the runner-up appears to uh, notice his error when Fair Damsel comes to challenge but of course by that stage it's too late um it, i think the thing with this is probably um just not to not to run them under rules i mean something like for example the magnolia cup you have 12 uh you have 12 participants in that there is betting at the track so if you think we we had um, an employee of the the Daily Mirror uh, a few years ago rode in that race, a, a horse trained by Ian Williams, and was a fifty to one shot, and we thought that um, that the horse had a better chance than uh, the, the the betting suggested, and I had ten quid with a bookmaker at fifty to one in the end, finished second. But I think that if you take it away from uh, the the ambit of being run under rules and say, look, this is a charity race. Uh, if you want to bet on it on course, then absolutely fine. But it's not run under the rules of racing just because the the um, the, the level of uh, skill or experience of the participants doesn't reach the that required level. Then I think that's the the the, the safest way to do it. Of course, if you watch this race live. You, you knew that there was going to be an absolute outpouring of, of vitriol and, and nasty human behaviour uh, on uh, social media. But in terms of betting and conspiracy theories, uh, that way, the, the best idea would be to follow the lead of races like the, the Magnolia Cup and not run them under rules. All right. Well, I cannot conclude this uh, podcast without paying tribute to the training career of William Jarvis. William announced his decision to retire on Saturday. He has had a, a glorious career as a trainer and it brings to an end 140 years of the Jarvis's training in Newmarket. Um, Grand Lodge and Lady Bothorpe at either end of his career are the two horses he'll be remembered best for. And he confirmed to me this morning that Dylan Cunha would expand into the remainder of his yard. He already rents a few boxes there. So Dylan Cunha set for expansion into the remainder of William Jarvis's stable. Now, finally today, 
The tale of a filly who was bred by a top-class sports person and is now owned by a top-class sports person. Her name is Max Sooks. She won the Group 3 Landwade Stud Philly Stakes last Monday. She was bred by Barnane Stud. That's friend of the show, uh, cricketer Craig Kiesvetter, who played at international level with significant distinction, is now owned by the Spanish footballer, who is a Real Sociedad star, Alvaro Odriozola, trained, of course, by Joseph O'Brien. And this deal was done. Uh, the filly was bought at Tatsbook One by Fernando Lafon, who's now based in Kentucky, and he joins me now. Fernando, just tell me a little bit about how this all came together. Well, first and foremost, thank you for, for having me, Nick. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and be able to be on these uh, on these type of platforms um yeah as you said you know Tadistol's book one coming up it's uh it's always a super exciting time of the year uh be able to be uh to have such a big selection of of yearlings prepped by some of the best breeders in the game you know it's 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 pretty good to to have the success um of two years ago going into the sale it gives you a little more boost and how, how it went about is Alvaro has always been trying to buy a few fillies uh, to develop breeding uh, in the future so we we went into that sale two years ago with the with the idea of getting you know one well-bred filly but that we we thought could be a runner and she kind of fell in in a good spot for us because she looked a little backward and a little immature so we thought you know maybe she'll actually be at a price where we can buy because the market is seeming to 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 target more two-year-olds and horses that are a little more precocious so we thought we, we could have a shot with her and um and yeah i mean she she showed a lot of speed early on at joseph's and everyone everyone at the hill has done such a great job with her that um that it was pleasing to see her you know have that turn of foot of fairy house the other day i think nor alvaro or i saw it coming um so we were, we were definitely delighted for her and look forward for, for for next year with her i mean it's easy to easy to after time but you've got yourself a, a frankel filly out of a group three winner who was group one placed on on more than one occasion and i'm thinking yeah okay two hundred thousand is a lot in anyone's money but for for her she was almost worth that the minute the hammer came down no absolutely i mean there was no physical signs that or or even vet signs that she shouldn't have made more than that money i guess I guess we got lucky because the mare was a real runner, you know. Mm. Uh, she won back-to-back uh, as a two-year-old. She won a grade three in her second start and performed at a grade one level and came back and won another grade three at three and four. So she was also a late maturing filly, even though she won very early on. She'd proven to be a good mare with Frankel, with Conca, who was her, you know, her first, Frankel's first ever winner and grade winner. So, so for us and for Alvaro, Alvaro as well, who's a mad passionate of the sport, and you know, I urge absolutely anyone that sees him at the cell just to have a quick conversation with him, with him, because he absolutely loves it. So it was as well as buying the filly, it was a bit of history, you know, buying the full sister to Frankel's first ever group winner. And t- tell me a little bit about how how you became connected with with Alvaro. I mean, I've I've seen some work that World Horse Racing have done with him, and and he he does clearly have a, a massive passion for it. How did you guys connect? Oh no, it's it's incredible. I mean, the, the in his world, it's football, family, and horses. That's the three things that he cares about, and it's it's been awesome to be affiliated with him. Uh, but it's pretty easy. I mean, the the horse racing scene in Spain is it's uh, to the to the average public. I mean, you go to the races and 
there's always a lot of people, you know, and they're always very well dressed and the culture is there. And so um, we actually met through the Spanish Jockey Club Association who, who, who organized a bunch of events throughout the year. And then he ended up coming to France to the ARC. Uh, he was invited by my dad who um, who was asked by the Spanish Jockey Club if he could, you know, get him to France to see the ARC because it was something he really wanted to do. And from there on, we started talking about, you know, what his goals are and how we can kind of bounce back to each other. And for him to put such amount of trust in me from a... I never ask him that much, but it's good to see it work out, you know. The, f the first year of horses we bought is Maxus and then a horse called Mandalorian who's just gone back-to-back -back mm. wins in the south of France and he's got a pretty good rating of, of uh, 41 and a half in, in France. So so things are working out good and he's he's delighted that, you know, the filly can run and, and the, the colts that we buy at, at small prices too because we're all trying to get a value here um, can perform as well. So it's it's good. Well, it's got, it's got a great sporting pedigree, Maxis, because owned by, as you say, one of Spain's great footballers and, and bred by, uh, uh, in his day, one of the world's great swashbuckling players in, in Craig Kiesvetter, a, a brilliant cricketer. So uh, there's a there's a fantastic kind of sporting thread that runs all the way through her. Well, yeah, and she's she's definitely outperformed them too by running herself. I mean, she's <laughs> she, she was impressive the other day. She's an athlete herself, which is awesome to see. Um, tell me what you're looking forward to at this year's book one and what you're, you know, how you're going to approach it and how many people you're going to approach it for. Personally, I'm, um, I'm, I'm going in, you know, I'm, I'm based out of, uh, out of Kentucky right now. I'm working with Lane's End and, and David Ingorda. So we'll be actually flying over there, um, the, the team that we flew there last year and we're doing it again this year. We sourced three, two horses there last year. They're both back here in the US this year and we'll probably aim to do the same this year for the for the lanes and the US team I mean it's such a it's such a good sale with the, the best breeders around the world and the prize money here for turf is it's equal as the as the dirt so so it makes sense you know for, for American buyers just to go over there and and experience what Tadisols is and for me personally we'll try to you know purchase one more one maybe two other fillies for for Alvaro and keep keep our momentum going uh, into into next year and try to slowly but not you know not rushing into it but slowly building his breeding breeding stable that and his broodmare band that he so wants uh, you're doing a great job for him so far uh, Fernando L lovely to chat to you I'm sorry it's taken me this long to get you on the podcast but um, hopefully better late than never and we'll catch up with you in, in Newmarket in Kentucky and beyond well thank you very much Nick all right, thanks to Fernando. Thanks to all my guests today. Uh, David Yates is with me and has a tip for you. We're going to the 350 at Leicester and it's Buddy's Beauty at number eight. This horse, she's had her problems with the starting stalls, but I don't think there's any doubt that she's still progressive in handicaps. Different racing surface today. It's soft, but Equiano's progeny should go on that. And I hope that Buddy's Beauty can rack up a third victory in handicap company. It's a 350 race at Leicester. The selection is number eight, Buddy's Beauty. All right, David, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. If you do enjoy this program, do leave us a rating and a review and tell your friends. Most importantly, we will see you again tomorrow. That was Monday, September the 25th. Bye for now.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.